0: Well, tonight's message is called No Longer Slaves. You <laughs> In Romans chapter 6, it says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our life. Well, that's good. It says we are no longer slaves to sin. Do you believe that? It tries to enslave us. But we don't have to submit. We've been set free. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 6. And let's see what God said to Moses. Exodus chapter 6. God's always talking to Moses. Exodus chapter 6 verse 6. God speaking to Moses, he says, Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. Now he's trying to convince the people that are in slavery in Egypt that they need to come out, that he's going to rescue them. He said, I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. But they refused to listen anymore. They had been slaves so long. They just didn't even want to hear good news. Have you ever felt like that? You just Everything seems so bad. Man, don't even, don't even tell me nothing good. I just want to wallow in where I'm at. They had, now, these guys weren't treated right. You understand? They were slaves. They weren't fed properly. They were overworked, not paid. They were slaves. And God himself comes down and says, Look, I will be your God. I'm going to rescue you. But they didn't even want to listen. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of how long it took God to convince me to come out of slavery. Isn't it funny God needs to convince us to come out of the slavery? It took me 32 years. I was 32 before I finally got to the end of myself and said, hey, this slavery stuff isn't working real good for me. And it amazes me today that, you know, you tell somebody the good news and they're like too discouraged to hear it. Don't think they need it, whatever reasons. But people don't come out of slavery. It wasn't easy for God to bring me out of my slavery. Not that he couldn't do it, it's just that I didn't want to go. It's crazy. But yet Moses, through the power of God, God did all those ten miraculous wonders and signs and so forth, and Egypt finally got Pharaoh to agree to let him go, and the people finally got on board when they started seeing God, how powerful he was. And so he finally let them out of captivity, out of their place of captivity anyway. But why didn't, we talked about Sunday, why didn't they just take the 11-day journey and and jump over into the promised land and begin to enjoy the fruits of their freedom. Why didn't they take that land flowing with milk and honey? Well, we talked about it Sunday. Sometimes it takes more than an 11-day journey to shed the inner shackles that is built up around your heart. You see, when you're enslaved physically over a period of time, You begin to get slaved emotionally, enslaved emotionally. And uh, sometimes, even though we're free, we don't don't know how to come out of this bondage that we're in on the inside. And God's always working on the inside. He works on the inside first. But these guys were delivered on the outside first. So it was going to take more than an 11-day journey. Technically, they were no longer slaves. But they were still on the inside. Does that make sense? It's simply taking their slave mentality to a different area code. (laughs) You know, now they were in the wilderness. They weren't under Pharaoh, but they were still slaves. They were looking to Moses like he was a new Pharaoh or something. They didn't understand their freedom in Christ. That's where many of us are in our Christianity today. We've been set free. We know God has rescued us with a mighty hand that he has brought us out of sin and darkness and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's given us new hope, new life, everlasting life. And we know all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus and we know we have a whole book full of them. But yet, we have a hard time receiving them because we still have a slave mentality. It's like, I don't deserve that or God wouldn't do it for me, or, or a host of reasons. We don't think we're good enough with it. We can, we can do it. You know, there's giants over there. I don't want to, I'm just going to stay here because the devil has beat me down so bad. You know, the devil has oppressed me so that I can't, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. You know, I, we become timid, and discouraged, and beat down. That's where many of us are in our Christianity and Tonight, I'm going to challenge you to take an honest evaluation of yourself. To find your true identity so that we can live to the fullest of God's desire for us. You see, I feel like the Passion Church is going to do great things this year. I feel like, man, we're on the road. We're just this far from just... Like a snowball rolling downhill and just catching steam. Where does it catch steam? Momentum. Just momentum on the way. You know, we're just almost at the cliff and fixing to start rolling downhill, you know, and gathering people and saving lives and seeing uh, generations restored and all the things that we have prayed about for so long. I think we're right there. But you know what? God can't do in a church what he wants to do until the people in the church are big enough on the inside to support it. And I feel like I'm getting bigger on the inside. And we all must get bigger on the inside because it's going to take all of us for this end time harvest that I believe God's about to swing our way. Harriet Tubman, a former slave, one of America's greatest abolitionists, if you remember, she said, I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. In other words, she, she, she would take them out and, and bring them to safety where they could live without slavery, that she would deliver them from her, their slave owners. But some of them she would try to convince, come on. But they wouldn't go. I like it here. And then what, that, what the Israelites kept saying, we might as well go back to Egypt, you know they like it in the darkness harriet tubman she was discouraged because some of the slaves wanted to stay slaves and didn't want their freedom for various reasons obviously deliverance externally doesn't necessarily ensure deliverance eternally internally you know what i'm saying Just because you're not behind bars doesn't make you free. I know I've seen plenty of guys down at the jail that are behind bars. They're in yellow jumpsuits, but after they receive Jesus, boy, they're freer than they've ever been. You know, it's not your location that makes you free or not. God has granted us freedom, but we have to walk it out. And sometimes it It's a process. Everything with God is a process. And it's okay. We're all at some place along the process. This process of sanctification. This process of understanding our promises. Understanding that we're heirs according to the promises of Abraham. That we're new covenant believers we have a covenant with Almighty God. Jesus has rolled away the stone, but we have to leave the tomb. You remember that story right about Lazarus? Lazarus had been dead for four days by the time Jesus shows up. And uh, Jesus says, roll away the stone. But Martha's like, oh, he's probably stinky by now, Lord. He's been in there four days. He said, didn't I tell you if you would just believe, you would see the power of God. So they rolled away the stone. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And here he comes. You know, he didn't stay in the old dark and dingy cave. I'm I'm in here, Jesus. I'll be all right now. You, You know, you've opened the door for me. I'm going to heaven now, you know. I'll just stay in here. No, Lazarus had to come forth. And he walked out of the tomb. Now, he had grave clothes all over him, you understand. Whatever they wrapped him, they made him look like mummies back in those days and anointed him and stuff. So he comes out. I don't know if he was stinky or God cured that too, but he comes out alive, and he's got all these clothes on him. And then Jesus sends some people to help unwrap him. Why? So he can be free. So that tells you right there, when you come out, you've got to come out. You've got to want to be free, but God's going to send people to help unwrap you because we got some stinking thinking, right? Man, I thought this. I didn't didn't even understand my promises on this one, you know. And and so God begins to send people to unwrap us, and what I'm just trying to do is facilitate the process a little quicker quicker tonight (laughs) to help us understand, because we need to know that there's some more unwrapping to do. None of us have arrived. I don't think. Are you? Would you respond to his voice? Did you? You? You did, didn't you? When you finally came to the end of yourself and you realized, hey, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something than eating the pig food. There's got to be something. And so when Jesus called your name, Jessica, come forth. You wiggled out of that you know, and you did the best you could, and you came out, and you know, it's probably bright out there, (laughs) because you're coming out of darkness, and you can't hardly see, and you're you're kind of at the mercy of other people just trying to help you. You just have the beginnings of your freedom, and so it's going to take a little bit to unwrap for everybody, but you can unwrap faster than you're going, and that's my encouragement tonight. Let's take an honest evaluation of where we are at. And how do we get unwrapped more quickly? How do we become bigger on the inside? Because tonight we're starting a new series called Bigger on the Inside, a Wednesday night series. We're not going to get to all, of, all the, the ways that we're going to become bigger on the inside tonight because there's so many things that I begin to think of. This, so I made it a series. Tonight we're just going to basically lay the groundwork. Are y'all with me? You know, after Thanksgiving, a few of us didn't have any problem growing bigger on the outside, (laughs) but tonight, we're going to talk about growing bigger on the inside, because that's where the real change takes place. You know, I told you I worked at that place called Power and Telephone Supply, and that's where I got saved. I I got saved, you know, my first year working there, I think it was, and uh, right off the bat, I was... I was so on fire for Jesus. I couldn't wait to tell somebody what I didn't know yet. <laughs> you know, but I, I wanted to tell about Jesus. And, and uh, we were having a Thanksgiving dinner. They always uh, got all the employees together. It was a real good company. And uh, so they had a big Thanksgiving dinner, hundreds of people in there. And he looks, the, the owner of the company, the president, he looks at me, and he, I guess he knew, heard that I had recently got saved. He said, would you bless the food? In front of all those people. And I was, you know, the, the zeal in me was like, yeah, I'm fixing to hit them with the gospel. This is my opportunity because I just wanted to blast everybody with the gospel, you know. I couldn't wait to tell everybody. But I didn't really know how to do it well. But I was gung-ho and I was ready to do it. But then I had always kind of been scared of my president because he was a kind of an intimidating figure. He wasn't big or nothing. He was kind of a short guy. But he was intimidating because he was the president, you know, and, and everybody knew it. And uh, so he says, Say the blessing. And so I'm like, "Yes, sir." And then I look over, and there's like vice presidents and director of this and all these big wigs, and they're all looking at me. And and all of a sudden, I didn't feel so big on the inside. <laughs> this is probably what it sounded like. I don't remember what it said. What I said, but I was like, "Oh Lord, I couldn't breathe." You know how you start hyperventilating? <laughs> you can't, you're trying, you're like you don't have any breath in your lungs to get your words out. Lord, look, thank you. Jesus but the zeal rose up on me and I was gonna tell him about Jesus died on the cross and it, Lord thank you for, for for your son Jesus and I it must have and people was like oh my Lord and when I finally got through my president looked at me about like that he said I didn't know you were such a preacher and walked off <laughs> True story. You see, I, I wasn't very big on And this is your pastor now. Think about that. Think about where God has taken me from my early year or two being saved to now preaching. The amazing unwrapping and the, the enlarging of my insides to even get up here. Now, none of you are like my president or nothing, but that's how God works. You cannot even begin to imagine the freedom that you will begin to express if you will just keep moving forward. Don't stop. Don't want to go back to Egypt. Don't want to, well, don't murmur and complain. Say positive things and keep moving forward. The question is, what is your capacity? If we're talking about bigness, how much can you hold? What is your capacity? You see, I found at Power & Tell that certain people could work there, have the same education as somebody else, have, the, have basically the same abilities as someone else, but they could negotiate a multi-million-dollar deal and go home and sleep at night with no problem. But then there would be another person, that just, the same abilities and everything, you ask them to, to buy a roll of toilet paper for the men's restroom, and they're freaking out. whoa, well, what am I going to do? You know, they're stressing over, did I get the right kind? And that's why I was talking about, you know, like the guys running for president and, and Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and stuff. They're not that much smarter than we are. They're not like some super people. <laughs> Clearly, in this election. The, the difference is, is they're big on the inside. And sometimes you don't even have to, it isn't all God that makes you big on the inside. You can be full of yourself on the inside. But you, you have to have a capacity to believe that you can. Because the pressure, you know, running for dog catcher might get some of us. I don't know if I could do it, you know. But, you know, Donald Trump's like, I'll be president, you know, like nothing. Big, big enough on the inside to believe that you can. And that's where it starts, to believe that you can. <sighs> What's your capacity? Have you thought about that? We're not, we don't all have the same capacity. All of us are not called to be president. And I'm not trying to, th- thank goodness, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody feel like you have to measure up to somebody else to me or to president trump elect trump or anybody but how about we try to be the best us that god intended and i can and i can tell you this the best you is all you need the best you is way better than you're even imagining when i ask you that question what is your capacity The word capacity in the dictionary.com says the maximum amount that something can contain. It also says the ability or power to do, experience, or to understand something. That's your capacity. Merriam-Webster dictionary adds an individual's mental or physical ability. I don't know why they stopped there. Why wouldn't they say their emotional or their spiritual ability? It's just your ability. It's your capacity. So what's your true capacity? You know, Thomas Edison, the one who uh, made the light bulb, he said if we did all the things that we're capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. That's a man who wasn't afraid to try. I'm sure he didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm going to be famous. I'm going I'm to invent something that's going to change the entire world as we know it. And he wasn't afraid to fail either. Because he failed over and over and over again. See, a lot of us are so f- afraid to fail, we're slaves to the fear of failure. You have to fail to ever succeed. That's part of succeeding. You just fail forward. And you learn something. That's how it is. You you just keep moving forward. If you fail, fail forward. Learn something from it. Who sets the boundaries of our heart? Who decides what we're capable of? Who sets the boundaries? Well, God said to Jeremiah in chapter 5, verse 22 of the book of Jeremiah, he says, have you no respect for me? Why don't you tremble in my presence? I, the Lord, define the ocean's sandy shoreline as an everlasting boundary that waters cannot cross. The waves may toss and roar, but they can never cross the boundaries that I set. God sets the boundaries. Psalm 74, 17 says, You set the boundaries of the earth, God. He's the one determines the boundaries. So who determines your capacity? Of who you can be. Obviously, your your boundaries were set by God as well. You came from the earth. If he sets the boundaries on the earth, you were made of the dust of the earth. So he sets your boundaries too. And and you're more important to him than some dirt. I think he he loves the creation that he was able to make in you. So what's the maximum amount that you can contain? Remember the definition for capacity? What what is the maximum amount that you can contain? Attain, or uh, contain. And what are you designed to contain? What are we supposed to be putting in? What makes us bigger on the inside? Is it a lot of hot air? <laughs> yeah, that's what y'all are thinking. He's a lot of hot air, I can tell. <laughs> Let's turn to Ephesians chapter three. We're gonna find out what is this stuff? that God is trying to get into us to expand us on the inside. Verse 18, chapter 3. He says, And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. You know, if, you, if you've never read the book of Ephesians, you are too. It really tells you who you are in Christ. It's probably the best single book that you could read to explain what Christ intends for you and what he has done in you. That you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Who can say amen to that? Did you you ever think you began to understand God's love and then he just wowed you some more? (laughs) Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's your answer to what you're filled with. The fullness of life and the power that comes from God and up above that, the deep love. It's too uh, impossible for us to even understand. We can't delve the depths of that love. If you can be filled with his love, you can be filled with his power, and you can be filled with the fullness of his life, that's the things that are going to make you big on the inside. Verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. Say infinitely more. Then we might ask or think. So you're sitting there saying, "I know all this, Pastor. (laughs) Everything you're telling me, I already know. I know how God, how big God is." Well, it says here in the Bible that you don't, because He can accomplish infinitely more than you might even ask or think. And that's a good thing to uh, think about right there, because we think He can do a lot of things, but sometimes we won't ask. Why is that? That's a good question. I'll get to that in a minute. But I must decrease so that he can what? Well, I thought we were talking about getting bigger. I am. Because you don't want to get bigger with you. You want to get smaller with you. You want to get bigger with him. That's how he is bigger than the whole universe. You're just as... the bigger you make God, the bigger you become. The bigger deal you make about God, the bigger you become. The bigger you get on the inside, the greater understanding that you have about how big God is, the bigger you become. Y'all looking at me like I'm preaching uh, something boring. Like I'm giving a, a sermon on accounting techniques or something. Man, we should have played a icebreaker game tonight or something. I'm going to get a water gun and start squirting you guys. when, Or I'm going to just hold up a mirror and let you see your faces while I'm preaching. Scare you. Wasn't it last week that Mary preached? I said, how'd you do? She said, I guess it was all right. But she said, their faces sure scared me. I was nervous the whole first And I see what she was talking about. Wednesday nights, that's a tough crew. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. Just let the old man go, like Brother Tom preached. Keep that beast in the ground, man. Don't let him up. He's dead. He's crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. That's what matters. How much of Christ can I get in me? He's already in there. Just let him out. Work out that salvation. He's put it all in there. You know everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is already in there. The kingdom of God is in you. Everything that you need. But we just don't know about it. We just don't ask. We don't knock. We don't seek. It's in there. He said, let me out. Let me expand to you. Find out who you are in me. Man, that's some good stuff. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. With God, all things are possible. So who's saying to you, you can't do it? What is the thing you're scared to do but you know you're supposed to be doing? Who's telling you you can't do it? Who's limiting you and trying to enslave you again? You know who it is? Who's trying to bring you back into bondage? Who's trying to put fear? Who's trying to limit your understanding to keep you in darkness when God's trying to bring you into the light? The devil doesn't set your boundaries. Tell him that. You don't tell me where I'm to go and where I'm not to, devil. Get off of me. You didn't set my boundaries. You know what he is? He's scared of your capacity. That's why he's trying to limit you because he's scared of what you can be. He already shakes in the morning when most of you get up. Oh, they're up again. <laughs> they're going to stomp on my head all day long. I know them. What can we do? Run. That's the way we need to be. I wrote this. Our capacity for God is unlimited. Unlimited. He's promised we can have as much as we want. Therefore, this is going to blow somebody's head. Plum off. Therefore, we are unlimited. If our capacity for more of God is unlimited, what limits us? What could possibly limit us? If we, and I'm not saying that we're all supposed to do, you know, Supposed to play in the NBA or be the president. But I'm saying, what could possibly limit you if you can keep delving into God? All things are possible. When we make God big, it makes us big. So when you worship God in here, when you read and you give him glory and you thank him all week like we've been doing after Sunday's message, and you're thankful and you're making God big, it's making you big. That's how you get big. The giant you're facing in your life is never bigger than the God that's inside of you. You will always have the victory. If you can remember who your God is, you can have you, you have the faith to trust. Pastor Vickers sent me a little group text thing he sends out to the pastors today, and he was telling a story. He said when he was a high school boy, there was an older gentleman that was a Scandinavian fellow or something. He said he would, he would come by, and he would sit down with Pastor Vickers, and he'd put his hand on his shoulders, and he would say, God is good, He gets gooder and gooder. He said, then he would pray in the spirit a while, and then he would begin to tell Pastor Vickers. You know, he wasn't Pastor Vickers back then. He would begin to tell him stories about all God's done in his life. And he said, I was just sitting there today, and I just remembered that, and I wanted to share that with you all. Here Pastor Vickers is 50 years later, and he remembers Somebody that had something good to say about God. And somebody who told the truth, God is gooder and gooder. He just keeps getting gooder. And, and, and that's the truth. You can't get to a place where, oh, we've got to the end of goodness of God. We might as well go, turn back. <laughs> no, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 15. I just don't know why. I make a... Thirty-minute sermon into a an hour sermon all the time these days. Huh. I was almost confident I was gonna get out of here at seven forty-five. All right, Genesis fifteen. I got a minute. They didn't put me on the clock. Genesis fifteen, verse four. We're going to talk about Abraham for a minute. This is back when he was Abram, before he got his name changed. The Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, <coughs> for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Abraham's, or Abram's trying to argue with God. Well, I don't have, you know, I, I'm too old to have children, so I'm, I'm just going to give my stuff to one of my servants. You know, God gets tired of arguing with our self-imposed limitations. Let me give you a piece of advice. If God comes to you and says, I'm going to pull three purple Martians out of your ear, you say, yes, sir. Don't say, how are you going to do that? It won't fit out of my ear. Yeah. <laughs> See, God is looking for someone he can cut covenant with. Someone who will dare to believe that God could birth a miracle in their life. And he needs Abraham to believe that he can can birth a miracle child. Because he's going to need to ask him, will he give that miracle child to me? And in turn, God will have somebody he can cut covenant with, and then he'll send his miracle child, and he'll give his miracle child to us. And that's how Jesus got here. Because Abraham believed. Now, how old was Abraham before he finally had that miracle child? 100 years old, 99, I think. And he he told him somewhere like 15 years earlier or something. I didn't didn't look it up this time. I used to remember. So it took him a while to get there. He was unwrapping uh, grave clothes of his doubt and unbelief. But anyway, in verse 5, it says Then the Lord took Abram outside, and he said to him, Look up at the sky. And count the stars that if you can, that how many, that's how many descendants you will have. God knew Abram needed to see it. And so God gave him a vision. There was another place where God was trying to tell Abram the land that he was going to give him. And he said, look to the north, east, south, and west. Is that it? North, south, east, and west. He said, look all over. As far as you can see, I will give it to you. God is trying to put a picture in you of the way things can be. If if God puts a picture in you, don't doubt it. Don't argue with it. You may not know how to get there, and it may not be time for you to get there. God may have wanted to wait another 15 years, but don't doubt it. Don't speak against it. Let God have time to work it out in you. Later, God would say to Abraham's son, Isaac, in uh, Genesis chapter 26, in verse 4, he says, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky. And I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So he does the same thing to to his son, Abraham. And I would say, maybe, you know, maybe he's doing the same thing to us tonight. Maybe he's saying the same kind of thing, maybe trying to get us to see the bigger picture so that we can be bigger people tonight. We need a new perspective with regards to our possibilities. All things are possible to him that what? Believes. I'm not saying to work up some kind of faith. You can't work up some kind of faith. I'm saying, if we do nothing else, if we leave with nothing else tonight, let's just open the door of possibility. We'll talk about more things that we can do, more practical steps as the, the teaching goes along. But tonight, let's just let's just agree not to shut the door in God's face when, the, when, he, when he puts something big in front of us. Does that make sense? Or let's not shut the door on a on even asking for big things. Because some of us will only ask for so much in prayer. You remember the prayer of Jabez? Anybody read that book? I didn't read it, but I heard a lot about it. It was a big book for a while. It's found in First Chronicles 4.10. Do you want to turn there? First Chronicles 4.10. I said, hey, let's read this thing, see what all the buzz is about. This Jabez guy, I don't think he's a big player in the Bible or anything. His name is Jabez. It means that his mama had a difficult birth with him. But in 1 Chronicles 4.10, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, in other words, he prayed, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders. Now, he was probably talking about external borders, but maybe he was talking about internal borders. That your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. Who is this guy? Dare to be so bold with God. Dare to ask for something from God. I mean, we don't, who are we? We don't deserve anything, right? Why wouldn't... Who are we to ask God for big stuff like that? And God granted what he asked. God doesn't get mad for you to believe big. Do you believe that? You have not because you ask not. God doesn't get mad at all if you believe big. He may not always grant your request. It may not be according to his will. But I believe he gets, he gets a kick out of seeing you dare to believe big. <laughs> it's time we started praying bigger. If we, get, if we leave with nothing else tonight, leave the door open for you to say, Hey, I'm not going to shut the door on this idea that I can be bigger, that I can live bigger, that I can do more. That God can use me, all oh, despite all them grave clothes and what what your second grade teacher told you and how your stepmomma used to treat you. And I'm not and I'm not making light of anybody's abuse when they were little or anything. I'm, I'm not doing that. There are legitimate reasons why some people are beat down. But wherever you are, would you just dare to leave the door open tonight? That God could do some big, big much bigger things than you can imagine. And one of the things that what we can do is when we begin to pray, begin to pray bigger. Don't say, God, will you help me pay my bills this month? <laughs> Don't say, God, will you give me abundance so that I can bless everybody around me? Doesn't that make more sense? Is God's hand too short he can't save? Has he lost his billfold. <laughs> they revoked his credit card don't say god would you tell the doctor to give me the right medicine to help me with this illness won't you just say hey i know the great physician god according to the covenant i see that by your stripes i'm healed now, if you want to work through the doctor, that's fine. I'll do whatever you tell me. But I'm not just believing to bear through this sickness. Oh, for the glory of God. <laughs> I'm going to pray for victory. I'm going to pray for victory. I'm not going to pray, Lord, help me do my best. I'm going to say, Lord, put your super on my natural and let's blow the doors off of this place. I'm not just going to believe for what I know I can do. I'm going to believe what you can do through me. And I'm going to dare to ask big. Amen? I believe everybody in here is saved. If you're not, run up here right now and I'll pray for you. You can give your heart to Jesus. The biggest thing ever happened was on the cross. There was another tomb that was open a few days after Lazarus. There was a tomb that Jesus was in. The angels rolled away that stone. Y'all having too good a time. See, I, I think, I think that the heaviness has dissipated. I think you guys probably come because you know that midweek you need Jesus. <laughs> By Wednesday. You've already been through Monday and Tuesday. You need more Jesus. So encourage the rest of those knuckleheads. Uh, That same president at that company, you know, a couple years later, I was a little more secure, you know, especially in the things of God, felt like I was maturing along the path and and I was over at my friend's cubicle next door, and I was sitting on his desk, and he was showing me something, you know, and it wasn't work-related. And the president comes walking up. He didn't come down our row very much. <laughs> Give me the heebie-jeebies, you know. Anyway, he said, what are you boys doing? Oh, uh, I was just getting back to my cubicle, and I went and sat back down in my cubicle, and I was like, Lord, let him run, go away, you know. And he came over and sat down on my cubicle on the table, the table. And so, so what are you doing? I said, um, well, I, I, uh, I've got some spreadsheets working, and, and I'm working on a deal with Comcast. And, and, and he says, have you sold any of that Overstock? And, uh, and I started getting a feeling. I'm going to get to it. <laughs> said, the man intimidated me. And so, what is my point? Hey, you're going to miss it. You're going to be small at times. But don't let that worry you. I'm sure I could handle him now. I'm, I'm almost positive that he won't get this message. and He won't hear it. Everything going to be all right. Take a deep breath. Wherever you're at, wherever... You're at, God knows it. He knows your exact location. You got a GPS on you. You're okay. He knew you'd be there. So take a deep breath. But dare to fling that door wide open of possibilities. Because God's going to do something big in you.